Welcome back to Don't Call the Book Club. My name is Luke. Dan here. Ooh, relevant. <laughs> okay, so I have I have a hot take that's unrelated to the book mm. that I want to get across before we jump in. Before I say that, let me just say we have this episode, we have finished To Sleep in a Sea of Stars by Christopher Paolini. I but I gotta make I gotta make a quick hot take. Mm. That I think a lot of people are going to disagree with. I think Oof. this one is genuinely a hot take. Oh boy! Okay. okay, take us on this detour, Luke. So, the Disney Disney Plus coming out with a new season of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Soon. Mm-hmm. And um, I hate to say this, but the first season was not very good. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. Okay. Before we get into this, I am not going to be able to contribute very much to this discussion because your boy hasn't seen it. Definitely hasn't seen it. But what I will say is pretty much everybody who I know who has seen it is like, this is some of the best Star Wars content we have had in a while. I know. I feel like I'm losing my mind. What's your what's your beef with it? So, Are you not into the little alien, the little cute alien boy that everybody I loves? Mean that, like I'm into that part. It's just like not enough. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that this is okay. This isn't the thing. It's like beautifully shot, great visuals. Mm. Um, the and then like I don't know. Some of it's some of it's kind of cool. Like we don't get. I I feel like here's the thing with star wars we have been just so bombarded with like the same story Mm -hmm. this like huge deal where like the bad guys the the dark side is about is is doing this thing and the rebels a much smaller force has the jedi and they come in and and fix it it's like yeah star wars is super cool i love it but like that's enough. <laughs> and then and then I think what the Mandalorian did well is it's just kind of like a side story that doesn't have this like incredibly huge impact mm-hmm. on like the universe at large. So you can like kind of dive more into some cool characters that you can learn more about, all of that kind of thing, which is very good. I very I'm very into that kind of thing. But I just don't think that the that the like storyline and like plot that went into what happened in this se- in this season was not like super great, and that's mm. okay. Like it doesn't have to be that great. Like it was a very it was a very well shot. It was very fun to watch. Very into the baby Yoda. Cool, mm-hmm. getting some like Mandalorian things, some new characters. Mm-hmm. But like as an entire. As like a a story, it wasn't like exceptional, I think. You're saying people have been distracted by the cute baby Yoda and the Mandalorian bounty hunter. Very cool. Everybody loves Boba and Jango Fett that they aren't really paying attention to the like lack of interesting story that's happening. Is that what well, you're saying? It, that... 
that and i think that everyone like everyone loves star wars uh-huh everyone wants star wars to be good so then like when people started saying that it was good everyone was like yeah i want it to be good so it's good oh which is like fine like that's fine if you enjoy it that's great like awesome but like it wasn't that good <laughs> And this is, I recognize, I, you can, people are, you can feel free to yell at me for this. I I am completely welcome to the idea that I'm very wrong about this. Um, but I just, I think that, I think that we need to, uh, to, to welcome the possibility that it wasn't as good as we think that it was. And then, and then hope that we build, that we, this next season builds on it, gets even better because Honestly, I think there's a lot of room to grow. <laughs> Luke's out here saying the emperor has no clothes and is begging for people <laughs> to roast him about it. So feel free to exactly. tweet at him if you love the Mandalorian like I know a lot of people did. And uh, tell him how patronizing he's being. That That's, yeah. your love of this show is just because everybody else is saying that they loved it. <laughs> Exactly. That's why we do. That's why we do the hot takes to get you guys mad at me, and to get warmed up. <laughs> okay, let's let's talk about the book that we have read. We finished to sleep in a sea of stars. Yeah, yeah. Luke, something that happens at the very beginning of this section is we get another sort of training montage with Kira and the soft blade. But this time, she's trying to get it to like act sort of on its own. And it makes like a cocoon in her part of the ship. It makes a little a little zone in her living quarters. And she's mm-hmm. like, okay, this part of the soft blade is like separate from me, but I can feel it. And she's like, hmm. It's very interesting. I'm into that. Good job, Softblade. This is cool. And then she goes to find Falcone as they're getting ready to do their to do their their deed, their thing. And I actually this is before they go and do their and do their dirty thing, but bef- they're going to meet up and she leaves her room with just a part of the soft blade in it. She just leaves it. And she's like, yeah, it should be fine. I trust the soft blade. We're kind of cool now. <laughs> Kira. You're, you're, saying, you're saying this is a recipe for disaster. This is insane. This is insane because it comes after we've learned how the maw was created. Was a piece of the soft blade broke off combined with some other stuff and made like the galaxy destroyer and she's like yeah i think i could leave part of my soft blade unsupervised in my room for a few minutes what (laughs) this this is a, a a point where i feel like we could have used more details about how the the maw formed we talked about this last episode Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like questioning how strange the circumstances were Mm -hmm. to me it seemed like just the fact that there is a piece of the soft blade and there is like two different things 
for it to grab onto. And it didn't seem like much more than that. Yes. Which, to to your point, you gotta think there's two things in her cabin they could use they could use being put together luke hold on stop imagine for a moment the cat and the pig got loose on the ship and accidentally ran into kira's bedroom with the soft blade now that i think about this i like that that i feel like was foreshadowed and never came to be Imagine for a moment the abomination created upon combination of cat and pig brain combined with the soft blade, like trying to figure out what it wants. Yeah, I mean, I imagine that that would have been better. <laughs> in Hold on. Better in what way? I a little bit less horrifying like because I okay Mm. again again we don't we don't get a good enough in my opinion explanation of why the maw was like it was well I feel like we I feel like I have a pretty good sense of why the maw was how it was because and and this is something that Torridan mentioned in his comment Torridan, or in their comment, Torridan EQ said that they thought it was a fairly rare event that created the Maw because it was like the soft bla- a piece of the soft blade broke off and found two like different dying organisms and brought them together and was trying to like mash these two incompatible sentient organisms together into one and that's why it got all messed up is because it was like trying to combine the jelly and the person into one thing and they just like weren't compatible and so they were constantly like fighting to figure out what to do and so like the reason why everything that it made was all messed up is because it like like i kind of imagine it as if Kira hadn't like figured out how to control it at the very beginning and it just like had no idea like how to do what she wanted like if she didn't train with it ever and it was just constantly like lashing out but at the same time trying to like piece half of her together with like a different animal and that is just like the mix of that is what caused the Ma to be just like an abomination Mm-hmm. yeah uh, that's 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 i think probably a good explanation of it i just i i know in in their in their comment toward nick you said that this was seemed like a one like a very rare event i feel like the it doesn't seem that unlikely to me because in the in the the formation mm-hmm. of the mall it's not like they all had to like collide randomly like the soft blade reached out and pulled them all together yes and that just seems like like a circumstance where two different species like fight each other and injury injure each other and are also like fighting 
the soft blade and a piece of it falls off. That doesn't seem that crazy to no, me. You're right, Luke. I agree. It doesn't seem that abnormal, especially because we know that the history of the soft blade is one of combat and fighting. So, mm-hmm. and, and when we learn how many like bladed based attacks there are in this war, in like warfare for some reason, uh, it, it doesn't seem super unlikely that you'd have close quarters combat where like pieces would be breaking off and, and get caught, which maybe, maybe that's how I, the sundering happened. Maybe that's how some of these other like really bad events have happened, right? Because right. it's not, it's fairly common that this, this kind of thing happens. <laughs> it, it does seem like you need two different species, mm-hmm. right? Well, so I, I, it does it does seem like in the previous fights that the soft blade has been in, they've like mostly been jelly v jelly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do we think that Dr. Carr deserved this fate? Oh, for, oh 100%. <laughs> so we think, we think that he deserved to be turned into an abomination with a jelly thing and have like, the last eight months of his life just be in constant screaming torment as he travels through <laughs> the galaxy pursuing an unknown purpose. I feel like that's pretty fitting considering he was like just torturing Kyra for, for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say he got what he, he kind of asked for. Plus, he didn't analyze the dust. <laughs> Luke, I swear if we talk about the dust this episode, we're not, okay. We're not talking about the dust. Oh boy. We're not about the dust. Oh boy. Okay. Yeah, I feel like he kind of got what he wanted though. Got to do some <laughs> got to do some very in-person research with he this. Did. He did. Ooh. Although, Luke, none of this would have happened if Kira had maintained protocol and not broken containment. So, it's oh kind gosh. of this is this is this is so true. This is the point. We complained about this in the first episode. Kyra should have just like you know that you're supposed to be just hanging out. Like if you if she hadn't, it would have been great. The the knot of minds, the good guys, uh huh, were coming in to sit to like save the day. Yep. But no. This is, I, I will say I was getting, I was, Kyra keeps blaming herself for things mm-hmm. that, I, in my opinion, were out of control mm-hmm. or out of her control. Right. But now that I think about it, <laughs> no, this is on you. Yeah, she broke containment. Like, it sucks to suck. That's why, why there's protocols. I want to go back to uh, Torridan's comment, though. They... They mentioned how cool it would be to see the Entropists with a little soft blade action. And at first, this doesn't seem reasonable because it seems to only be on Kira. For most of the book, the soft blade is just on Kira. But then we learn that, like, she can break a piece of it off and, like, leave pieces of it in different places. And we saw... At the very beginning, a piece of it broke off and, like, formed its own deal. So, is she being a little selfish when she's like, I'm not going to even try on anybody else? 
<laughs> this is my soft blade. I know it's really cool and powerful and makes me really special. I'm not going to let you try it. I So okay, so the the creation of the maw makes it seem like that this would be possible. Mhm. But the everything else makes it seem like it's not. Because if that were the case, like if you could just break off a piece and give it to someone, I feel like there'd be way more. Yes. I think this is true. Part of the reason why I'm still hesitant though is because the mob breaks off pieces and gives them to its like lieutenants. Mm -hmm. Granted, I think it's it's still very limited, but but I, it's I just when I'm thinking about that, the this the memories of the soft blade being in wars with the jellies, mm -hmm. or who I assume were the jellies. Mm -hmm. If you're one of the sides, you just you should be breaking off pieces left and right and have a whole army. Right. You should have a soft blade factory where right. you just make more and more and more of these. That's true. Okay. And I could imagine at the beginning it was a unique circumstance because it hadn't really like bonded to Kira, so they didn't have like a mental link really. And that's why the the Ma was kind of created, but at this point in the story, when she's able to separate it from herself, they're like so intertwined that there's no way that a piece of it's going to bond to another person. Yeah, that's fair. There. Okay. Okay. But I still think it would be dope to see the Entropis doing something with the, with the sacred blade. It, it, it would be, um, but at a certain, at a certain point, it's like, I don't know if it would be that different. Right. We talked last episode, we talked about how we thought the soft blade might be a little overhyped. And I think, I think last episode we were correct. I think last episode the soft blade oh. was a little overhyped. But in this last section, when we see, when we see what it can do, when they're going through the space station and uh, anytime they've been in combat really and now Kira's like ripping off parts of the ship and making a shield with them that's very good i i think that going back to that conversation mm -hmm. i think that we got to the right place because i said that it seemed overrated and it it was at the time like you said because we weren't we weren't doing too much with it but if i remember correctly i think you brought up that Kyra probably just doesn't know how to use it very well and that's like exactly what we learn right because right it's like i think it says that you cannot you like unlock new abilities the bigger it gets and yeah. so it is overrated at like stage one because you can't do that much but then but it grows it grows a good bit and then and then no, it's not. I'm not. I'm not gonna say it's overrated when it's like, it's like basically a god. Yeah, yeah. It's like able to make its own space station. It's seemingly and, and life and life. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And life. Um, I agree with you. At this point in the story, now that we finished it, soft blade not overrated. Definitely not. <laughs> Some are saying underrated. Actually. Some are saying incredibly underrated. But I want to go back to something that I think 
that I think is incredibly overrated. Okay. And this 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 is gonna sound like a hot take at first. I think the entropists are overrated. Okay. Because we've got we've got these two entropists that are in a hive mind. Their hive mind gets broken because they break their smartphones or whatever, and then they're like having a hard time for a while. But they've still got these cool powers and abilities, and they're like their robes are really cool, and they can use them as like skin suits. It's still very neat. I assume they can still do magic, of or like what they call magic. Very cool. But one of them gets their head cut off by a centipede. And <laughs> if they haven't figured out bug-based warfare at this point, I think they're pretty overrated. <laughs> okay. You're, you, like, if you get your head cut off by a centipede, you can't have been that good, is what is your point? Yeah, exactly. Because there's people running around with, like, laser guns and nuclear bombs and you're fine but then a centipede comes up and bites your head off and it's like ah dang it that was my weakness a centipede (laughs) biting your head off was your weakness (laughs) okay okay i i wanna i wanna put an addendum here okay sure i want to change this to i don't think the entropists as a group as an organization are necessarily overrated but i think that these two entropists uh might might be because like you gotta you gotta have some some court awareness here you can't just like the i forget which one it is but the centipede is like running at what running at the entropist and everyone's like oh no it like starts yelling at them and they're like what (laughs) they don't like turn around freak out duck and cover like if you if you were in this enemy ship and you're like you've got your back to a big opening and people start raising alarm to you you gotta you gotta be you gotta be on your toes here you gotta be on your toes Get down. <laughs> Do you think that maybe there's a chance that that one of these entropists was kind of was kind of pulling more of the weight in the hive mind than the other one? Yes. Do you I think 100% do. maybe Vera, the one that didn't get her head bitten off by a centipede, was was doing a lot of the mental legwork in this hive mind? I gotta think so. Either that or the split wasn't 50-50. Right, right. Vera had to be doing a, a little bit more than than her share. Or maybe it was like, not left brain, right brain, but Vera gets, like, one of them gets the intellectual skills and the other one gets the foot speed. <laughs> And it seems clear to me that Vera got the athleticism and the uh, and the instincts, and Joris, I think, is the name of the one that gets his yeah. head cut off. Yeah, is just is very book smart at this point. But the reason why I'm kind of blaming the the Entropists as a crew for this is this is like 
I this is like seven. This is like prehistoric human combat that we have to deal with here. This is getting your head cut off. I feel like you solve that immediately. I feel like solving that problem is like step number one to be a cool spacefaring civilization is like, okay, a big weakness of ours. We've seen it for a long time. Our necks. Oh, they're really weak. (laughs) How are we going to protect them? I just, it's an easy, it's an easy. (laughs) I feel like they should have figured it out by now. Listen, listen, Dan, the problem is easy to diagnose, but the solution is tough to find. Yeah, but that's why they're the cool entropists. I would get it if somebody (laughs) else got their neck sliced, like Trig, when Trig gets hit in the neck and they're like, "Uh uh-oh, this is going to be bad. We got to take him to a special facility. I'm like, okay, these are the normal people. Necks are still a weak point. But the entropists are like a step above. They're like essentially Mm -hmm. enabling an independent civilization from the league because of how advanced they are and they haven't figured out neck protection yet protect your neck guys right Right. they they have these these like coats that are basically as good as like a spacesuit but no (laughs) they're not they're not there to protect the neck it's not part of it it's not part of the deal i this is why this is the main reason why i'm disappointed in the entropist as a whole is because okay. I feel like none of them are protecting their necks. I feel like they would have all gone down to the centipede had it latched on. Yeah, I think I think that that's I think that that's fair to say. One thing that I think is interesting about this like this book mm-hmm. with the entropists at least, yeah, is that we get a, a few examples of the entropists being super cool. Mm-hmm. Like they come in and save the day with some, with some weird thing. That's <laughs> just never explained. <laughs> You're talking about Which, like I'm not against. I'm not like against that, uh-huh. but I just think it's interesting that like they can just do magic essentially to us. Yes, I agree with you, uh, and I think. Obviously, they're using they're using magic as a shorthand because mm-hmm. I I don't think there's real magic now. Granted, maybe maybe there is because perhaps we've seen Angela and Solembom or Solembom in this world, so maybe there is magic, but I I doubt. It. I think it's just a shorthand. But I do think it's really fascinating that it's not explained at all. Like, at no point was anyone on the ship like, hey, remember that cool barrier force field thing you did a while back? Very useful. Can you, can you help, us, help us with that a little? Seems like it would come in handy to, for all of us to be able to do that. Remember when you, like, knocked over that tank just randomly? Um, <laughs> love to get some details about how you did that. It seemed like it, could, seems like it could be useful when we're boarding this this ship um but no okay we'll just keep our we'll just keep our uh our blasters <laughs> i get that <laughs> we're not really interested in the whole magic thing anymore do you no, think do you think is. as payback for this the little gray square that kira gives to the entropists 
is just like an N64 cartridge of like of like Super Mario 64 and she's like this is going to hold a lot of the secrets. They're going to need to investigate this one. Cultural secrets. <laughs> Well, and when she implies at the end that she's figured out the problem of entropy, how she's like, oh, I'm not a prisoner anymore. I think she's just really, she's just baiting him so hard to be like, you really need to look at this. Get <laughs> That would be fun to give this, to give this little hint. Like to, to, I, in this scenario, I'm going to say that Kyra is lying and she is still a quote-unquote prisoner, uh-huh. but she just wants to pull off this prank <laughs> to make the entropists figure out what the secret in this little this little card is. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. It's just, it's just for the prank, and she's like, they're gonna study this for generations, and it is gonna be hilarious when I come back, and I'm like, hey, <laughs> you guys aren't still looking at that rock I gave those two idiots, are you? Oh, you are? Ooh, that's awkward. Oh, no. (laughs) You guys got pranked. that's the case. (laughs) I'm expecting it. I'm expecting that's book two. Book Uh, two is all the pranks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All all these gifts have just been pranks. Uh, I want to talk about... A, in my opinion, controversial strategy that they adopt when they're going in to, to try to kill the the big bad, the great Steen or Satine or whatever, whatever, however it's pronounced. Yeah. Well, I think it it's pronounced however we want it to be because there's literally it's no true. there's literally no correct ex- pronunciation. That's still when they go in to kill Greg. Um, they adopt this strategy where Falcone is like, we're all going in. And here's the thing. No one gets left behind. I, I kind of like, I, I agree. It's a good sentiment, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's a good leader thing. Like you don't want your crew thinking that you're going to abandon them. Mm -hmm. But also like, do we kind of leave some people behind? (laughs) Wait, are you saying in actuality, do they leave people behind or is it is it a better strategic move to just like... Better strategic move. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I will say they do this at the end. They, they do leave pretty much everybody behind because Kira's like, hey, this is not working. So I'm going to make a cool dome and you guys just please hide in the dome. Right. Right. Do that from the beginning. Right. Like, as soon as somebody gets injured to where they can't keep up with you, who is in an exosuit that can just, like, fly through this ship, then just, like, have them turn around and go back. Or hunker down. Because, and they realize this a little bit later, all the jellies are just going for Kira. So, if she keeps going... And leaves people behind, they're probably not going to be in that bad of a spot. Mm-hmm. I do think I do think that this is kind of a lapse in judgment here by Falcone. I think his his like romantic sentiment for his crew and like romantic capital R romantic, where he's like, 
no one gets left behind, we're all in this together, is a little, um, it's causing more pain and hardship than there need to be mm-hmm. in this yeah, situation. Yeah, I think it's counterproductive. Exactly, exactly. It's counterproductive. And maybe this is what Gregorovich is like rebelling against. Gregorovich is like, I know exactly what's going to happen. It's not going to work out well, Falcone. <laughs> We're not going. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I get it now. Yeah, Falcone is not the greatest strategic mind. I think he he is good at, at getting people together, but he's he's not the, the one who should be coming up with the plan. This is a classic right, case right. of like a charismatic leader, but not like a cunning leader. Right. Like, like he, morale is very high, but efficiency is very low (laughs) right falcone's getting elected but there is no way he has any policy positions right right no idea what that's like um (laughs) i i want to talk about an alternative world from from the one of this book okay because the book how this how this story ends is it turns out pretty good for everybody involved but I want you to imagine something with me, Luke, for how it could have gone. Okay. So, Luke, you are Major Cheddar, Shetterly, or whatever the woman was that was with the jellies. And they tell you, hey, the jellies are all going to go to war with humans because we think we should just wipe you out. Well, we can. And we want to stop that war. I know, ooh, I do know we came and attacked you first. Ooh, I know. Bad luck on our part. But we want to stop the war with the humans. And the way we want to do that is we want to help bring a human ship deep into jelly territory and then have them kill our leader. Because that leader is going to go to war with you if you don't. Oh, why can't we do it? Oh, we've got this thing where we like puke anytime we think about killing our own leader. So it has to be a human ship. Oh, why couldn't you go on our ship and then pull the trigger from our ship? Uh, it just wouldn't really work. Like you, the trigger is all weird and oh, it would just be weird. It would just be weird. It wouldn't work. Can we do that? You think we can do that? Because otherwise, oh, they're going to destroy you. It's going to be really bad. Then, what the Luke, you realize if they're lying and it's the reverse, you have a terrorist attack by humans that is the first strike in a war between jellies and humans. And this is the justification okay. for them to wipe out all humans. That's, that's true. It's like the perfect way to start a war between the humans and the jellies is to like right. have a terrorist attack. I, w- I will say like this is a circumstance and a plan that's designed that would be designed because it's theoretical to like get public opinion on your side. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which would it be applicable in like a war for us right now for like one nation against another. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it would be applicable 
for like jellies versus humans because who are you appealing to you know what i mean well i mean there could just be so the factions could just be switched where the current jellies who are in power are like hey we really got to work with these humans to take care of the nightmares okay and these the knot of minds is like hey fuck the humans let's kill them all (laughs) And so they're just, they're just playing the, like, good guys. When in actuality, they want to show all the jellies, hey, these humans are trying to kill us. We shouldn't be working with them. <laughs> that's, that's true. It, it, is, it is risky. I will say they've already been at war for kind of a while. Um, but I, I don't know. You don't... Okay, my my point with this is you don't know which side is fighting which. Sure, mm-hmm. this one ship is like, hey, we're the ones who aren't fighting you humans, wink. And everyone's like, oh, gotcha, cool, cool. But, like, that doesn't have to be true. Why are we trusting all of these aliens all of a sudden? I, yeah, I get. I yeah, I feel like that they were just like so desperate to have alien friends <laughs> that they just went for it, right? Yeah, yeah. If I'm being honest, I'd probably do the same thing because it would be so dope. It would be very cool. You could be like, "Hey, you guys want to play some Smash Bros. later after we depose your government?" pretty great game it's pretty love it fun they just added minecraft steve to it nobody knows why but they did it's fun (laughs) maybe you could form into like a cool gaming version of yourself it's just a pro gamer forms for sure it would be cool to have an alien friend i so that's why i'm not going to give them too much too much of a hard time for believing the aliens. Because I would also want to believe these aliens. That this is the way that it had to happen. I just am like... The part that really gets me the the wrong way though. Is the fact that they're like... No we've got to take a human ship. Deep into our territory. And the kill's got to come from the person ship. It's gotta. That's the, that's the part of the plan where I would be like... Does it? Gotta? <laughs> It's also like, I mean, how sick are you? <laughs> like you just can't deal with a little bit of nausea? I, I, I do that all the time. You're asking me to murder for you because you puke when you think about it. Uh, I also don't like murder. <laughs> it's not fun for me to go in and murder like a hundred of you guys. I'm not over here like, oh boy, I can't wait to kill a bunch of sentient aliens. Kyra over here goes in and starts gagging because they smell so bad. It's like, yeah, maybe you guys should have done this. <laughs> take some, take some Pepto Bismo and then hit the trigger. <laughs> or like, I don't know. I feel like there's a way to get around this where you just like, what? I, you have some like random chance in there. Where you just you just set a little random timer to have a bomb go off, and then you're like, "Oh, well, I wonder when that's gonna happen." 
Maybe I'll maybe I'll put it over right in the ship. Maybe I'll put it right in the ship just for fun. I will I will say it doesn't seem like they're being very creative. No. No, I don't think they're being very creative either, but I think that's very on brand for these aliens because all their it's a team building exercise actually. They're like, we need to find something that will bond us with the humans as well. What do humans love to do? Oh, war, murder, (laughs) great. That's perfect. We can use those skills. Come on, people. Speaking of a lack of creativity, Kira's fighting this big, bad jelly who has had like hundreds of years to prepare for the soft blade who's thought about everything who's figured out like who knows who's fought it in the past and knows its weaknesses and the best that this guy comes up with is a gun and a rocket flamethrower this is the best This is like, I know this thing's coming for me. Let me pull out my secret weapons that I've been preparing for this moment because I know it might happen. Hand me that rocket engine over there and I'm going to (laughs) pull out my big gun and this will take care of it. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. The Marines did better. I'm going to say the Marines did better. Where they were like, the Marines had like a month where they were like, I don't really know what this thing even is, but we got to figure out a way to contain it. And they made like a like a containment device that was pretty much like impenetrable. Sure, Kira mm-hmm. did get out, but it seemed like it would have been effective at killing her. Right, right. And it was at least a good effort. Yeah, it was a great effort. Meanwhile, this like leader of the jellies who's had eons to prepare... And is supposed to be the smartest one. Has the resources of an entire species at their disposal. And they come up with a gun and a flamethrower. The the craziest thing about this to me is that in the fight leading up to this, like when she's trying to get to the room, she experiences a couple of times a like flamethrower type thing that's specifically meant for this. Uh-huh. However, our big jelly is like, no, I think a rocket's better. I want give me the rocket. <laughs> I want to like You can just do You uh, couldn't have used like one of the real ones. <laughs> I want a big one. Give me a big one. Also like you have a bunch of tentacles. Give me more. You're saying he should have 10 rockets. They should have 10 (laughs) rockets. Get 20! (laughs) Luke, the thrust would be, oh, wait a minute. You just have some facing backwards. You No, don't use a rocket. (laughs) Use the flamethrower that doesn't have thrust. Get 10 flamethrowers in your hand and just, like, cover the whole room. Yeah, but then, then they can't use a rocket engine. That's true. As a cool as a cool weapon. I will say that they are like very arrogant. Part of the nature of this being is that it's extremely arrogant and thinks it's just like the greatest thing since sliced bread or whatever the jellies have to eat. I don't know. The 
Glorps. Uh, but <laughs> stupid. But uh, <laughs> I still think if you're gonna act that arrogant, you have to have a contingency plan that's like, hey, Itari, I know the rocket was a cool idea that you pitched me a while ago, and I tried it. It didn't really work. So now we're going to go with my plan, which is to just get a big magnet because we know the soft blade is magnetic and <laughs> and just uh, attach it to a big magnet and shoot it into the sun. And that's it. That's it. Or, or like, I'm just going to use my escape pod. <laughs> And just go to one of the other ships that's not currently breached. Yeah, do one of those maybe. But uh, no, it was it was uh, it was useful. It was. Uh, I'm glad that uh, Kyra was able to take advantage of the lack of imagination. Really, really worked out. <laughs> really worked out um, well for her. Would <laughs> also worked out really well for her, just like flying into the the. The big goopy boy. Right. Pretty good. Right. Worked out great for her. I think Falcone, it probably didn't work out great for her. I think he was kind of hoping that after all this is over, he and Kira might be able to have some of that freaky exosuit sex again. And it sounds like they're probably not going to do that anymore. Probably not. Probably. We don't know. We don't know. (laughs) But... Did this feel incredibly bold to you? I get I get that we don't have all the information. And Kira seemed to know that this was like the only option. Kira seemed to know that this is the last thing. But when we were on Bug Hunt, when we were at Bug Hunt, and that guy came up and started mind controlling everybody and this just and then just like pieced out, how do you know that's not the solution to this problem? How do you know it's not just like, hey, we got to go find that guy because he's he's essentially the janitor of this whole thing. And whenever one of these happens, which had happened a lot, he would come around and <laughs> fix it. Yeah, you got to at least have a conversation with the guy. Right. You just left. You just dipped out. And There's he some was, ideas around. He's over here trying to get your attention, getting everybody around to be like, hey, I got to talk to you. And you're like, oh, I gotta leave. You ghost the guy. Maybe he knows how to put back the Staff of Blue. He can put it back together. Maybe he's got a copy. Maybe he's got one. (laughs) Also, you don't even try? They didn't even try to put it back together, Luke. This is the crazy part to me. The Staff of Blue was like a big deal. (laughs) It was like (laughs) the the thing. For the first, like, half of this book. Mm-hmm. And then it was just like, oh, it's broken. <laughs> that sucks. On to the next thing. <laughs> Especially because it was like, our only hope is the Staff of Blue. Oh, it's broken. Well, darn it. Okay. Let's figure something else out. And they only took one piece. <laughs> are you kidding me you at least take the whole thing it's at least a cool like a cool 
art installment. It's a souvenir. At the at the least. At the least you can show it to the military personnel who are like, so how did that trip go? And you can be like, uh, it was broked. It was broke, did. <laughs> and then you show them all the pieces and they're like, yeah, that is broke. But actually, if you just snap these three, these back together, it should work. Good as new. Yeah. But no, you have one piece that the Entropist took. You didn't even take it. Ah. Wild. Wild to me that they just left it. <laughs> it is. It is wild. Uh, I, okay, but we, we're, we're looking in the past, Dan. we got to look forward here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I also think is wild, I don't, I don't think that I would want to wake up the way that Trig wakes up. Terrifying. <laughs> Trig, like the Staff of Blue, <laughs> made, a, made an exit early in this book. But luckily, we get we get we get some more trig late in the game. Just like he's back, he's he's bouncing off the walls. But first, we're gonna like wake him up theatrically in the middle of our like weird meeting. Like Kyra, you can't like heal him and then just like let him come to in his bedroom. That seems better to me. That seems much more comfortable. You're not going to give him any privacy in his first moments back from like six months in hibernation. He's like, he's like naked, I think. He's not naked. I think she, he, he did have some clothes on. But also, yeah, you don't know he's what got, he's going to say. He's got his boxers on. You don't know what he's going to say the first thing he wakes up. Maybe he has to go to the bathroom really badly. He's been, he's been... He's been in cryo for like a year. I think Imagine six if he months. He just comes out and yeah. like vomits. That's be embarrassing. Or like poops his pants. Nobody's ever been in cryo that long, and when it, when you do, you just poop right away when you wake up. And he's on the floor in front of like the most important people around. Terrible. And you're standing there looking like crazy, looking like a god. <laughs> And he looks up at you and is terrified, I'm sure. <laughs> the last thing that Trig knew was he had just been shot in the neck by a bunch of jellies on this, like, random, <laughs> random world. And you're going to wake him up in your, like, organic, organically grown space station in a meeting between, like, one of the leaders of the UMC and the new leader of the jellies who recently shot him in the neck. I think it's rude. Do you think Trigg's first thought is like, are there jellies in heaven? Oh, I really hope there aren't jellies in heaven. Oh, I hate these jellies. Do you think... Trig spent the six months coming up with like slurs for the jellies that were even worse than jellies and was like, like so excited to use one as soon as he woke up. And then they're like, oh, we're cool with the jellies now. And he's like, dang it. (laughs) That's a lot of time wasted. I spent all that time branding the jellies. Oh, man. Granted, jellies is, I still think, pretty bad, but (laughs) it's fine. It's fine. 
It is fine. I you know okay. Another thing that I think is rude is that Kyra is like, no, this is this is my my duty to to hunt these bad guys down. I have to do it alone. It's gonna suck. I'm gonna be really lonely, but I've got to do it alone. And Falcone is like, you know, there's probably like a lot of people that would love to do this with you. She's like, nope, can't do it. <laughs> I I don't know. I I think you like invite some friends along. No, Could be look, like a fellowship, you know. Put put out a call for applications. Look, the fellowship Collect is some over. CVs. It's over. <laughs> no, they're just slowing her down, Luke. Slowing her or down. Or at least just like. I don't know. Invite some cool people along. They don't have to be like fighty boys, but just some some cool people that you can hang out with. Yeah, I do feel like you invite you invite the coolest people around to just be in your ship with you because it, you have to imagine a majority of this is going to be just boring travel. There's going to be like 10 minutes of fighting and four hours of travel to find these guys. So whenever you get close to one, you just use your magic god powers and make a little bunker on an asteroid out in space. And you say, hey, guys, wait here. I'm going to go take care of this boy. And I'll come right back and we'll just be cruising after that. We'll just keep vibing. Keep the rummy game going. And I'll just hop back in once I finish this. (laughs) I think you do. I think it sounds much better. It does, especially because of the threat that she'll just go insane and then things won't be so good. That's a very real threat that she is concerned about. And her solution is, I'll just, I'll make sure to write. I'll write emails. I'll stay in touch via email. I'll catch up on my reading. Hey, sister, uh, coming from coming from somebody in, in quarantine, I got to tell you. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not. Okay. <laughs> Another kind of kind of oversight on Kira's part is at the very end when she's telling the Ma she's going to come to it, she says, let my friends get away. It's got to be an awkward conversation with the UMC later when they're like, hey, how come the Ma stopped shooting at the wallfish? And that jelly ship, but it kept just destroying us. Were you able to communicate to it? What did you tell it to get it to stop? And Kira's like, oh, I just asked it to not attack my friends. <laughs> and the UMC guy's like, oh, so we're not. Okay. Well, that was a pretty rude way to tell me that you don't consider me a friend. But uh, we did lose like 10,000 lives in the meantime so maybe you could have just said please stop attacking everyone would have been cool would have been who has the time to say that though (laughs) they're still killing jellies and humans (sighs) i don't yeah i yeah i guess it it did take a little bit of you're not gonna you're not gonna send a follow-up message to the scream that comes from the maw like you're not gonna send the first message of like hey can you please stop attacking my friends and i'll come to you and then the maw return replies with just a scream like a 30 second (laughs) scream you're not gonna send another message that's like 
oh wait could you also stop attacking everyone maybe <laughs> right it's like it's like when you send a text that like has a little typo in it and you're like asterisk what i actually meant if if the initial response is just a scream you're gonna be like i'm gonna let it go <laughs> you know what? i'm gonna send a correction yeah yeah <laughs> that's fair i guess that's fair enough Did you have any issues with these gifts that Kira gave out at the end? Y- y- okay. My one issue is that I feel like Trig gets the like the coolest thing. Like the, and the most like heartfelt thing. The god staff that he will never go hungry if he has. Yeah, it's like, and it's also like very cool. Yes, very cool. And the other ones are like, here's some, uh, <laughs> here's some antimatter. I made a lot of it. This is like, this is the gift card debate all over again, where it's like, okay, yeah, I mean, I needed antimatter, but like, it's not very, <laughs> not very creative. You know, I think Trig got like a staff, which was really cool. Okay, I I will say I think I think I'm a little more on board with Kira's gifts to everyone but one person than you are. Like I think her gifts to everybody but one were like pretty cool and good, and they would all be excited about them. Okay. Obviously, Trig would be the most excited about them. I feel like one gift in particular, its recipient would definitely put on a a polite face, but afterwards be like, "What the fuck?" And that's Sparrow. <laughs> The knife? Dude! (laughs) Okay. Kira, an all-powerful god creature, is giving gifts to everyone. One of the gifts is like, this will make life in barren soil and produce food whenever you need it. Like, once a day it'll make food so you're never hungry. This will, like, fix any machine that's broken, and it might make them even cooler. So go around breaking shit and then use this on it and see what happens. And this one... This one will make uh, health. It will make people healthier again. Uh, here's some pills to keep your like brain disease away. And it will keep it away pretty much for good. Don't even worry about the brain disease anymore. Sparrow, here's a knife that cuts anything. Okay, back to the cool shit. <laughs> a knife that cuts anything. You gave her a less cool lightsaber. Because the thing yeah, about it, you're you're forgetting that they can't they can't she can take it onto an airplane because X-rays can't detect it. Damn. What? Yeah, they can't. They also can't detect a lightsaber when you don't have it turned on. <laughs> it's also like, hey, Sparrow, this will cut through anything given enough time. Uh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, I guess. How much time are we talking? Because that's a big factor here. Like, my yeah. fingernails can cut through anything given enough time. Kira? It's, a, it's also like... I, she's on a spaceship. She's not, like, getting tied up all the time and needs this little knife that no one's going to detect to cut her to cut her shackles. What is she... Gonna, how often is she going to be using it? 
And Sparrow does the polite thing when she gets it. It's like, mm, I can't tell you how many times this would have come in handy. Very nice, Sparrow. But we didn't see a single instance in this book of when a knife, Sparrow having this knife would have come in handy. Not one time. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's a good point. That's fair. This is this is a bad gift. This is the gift that Kira realized she had cool gift ideas for pretty much everybody but Sparrow and was like, I can't, I have to give Sparrow a gift. I, like, I can't believe that she didn't go for something like weightlifting related. Oh my God. Here's a, here's a, here's a bow flex that, that you can, that actually you can move to do like any any exercise right you don't have to carry around those big heavy weights i got you a bow flex it's just it's much simpler (laughs) it's just a better design all right also i called your commanding officer and had your uh, military history corrected so everybody so now everybody doesn't like boo and hiss at you when you walk around oh uh, here, Sparrow, I got you a custom mech suit that's, like, the dopest shit. No, I got you a knife. <laughs> Not even a sheath. No sheath for this knife. <laughs> well, Luke, it'll cut through anything, so you can't. That's true. That's true. Let's do reviews. I will start. I definitely enjoyed this book. It was a good read. I think it was It was slightly longer than I would have wanted to spend on this book. It was it was a bit long for me, uh, and I felt like the second half I enjoyed more than the first half because it felt like there was a lot more action. Like, I thought the action was very well done. So I enjoyed the action in the second half a lot. I also thought that the, the light speed travel was unique and kind of cool and i know that chris spent a lot of time coming up with a cool light speed travel and if you read at the end of the book there's an addendum where he gives like detailed like scientific reasoning for how this version of faster than light speed travel would work and it's cool i think it's cool I like I like the radiator concept. I think I think the faster than light speed travel here is cool. The part that didn't that didn't really jive with me too much was the the like quest for forgiveness that Kira was on throughout this book. And the reason why it didn't jive with me that much is I don't feel like she ever really did anything that is like that bad i feel like she is more a victim of the universe and like random chance bad things happening than like the person causing bad things to happen in the universe granted at the very beginning she did like mess with the thing when she knew she shouldn't but like who freaking wouldn't who wouldn't anybody would do what she did So I feel like at the very end where she has this moment of like recognition that forgiveness is the way to 
solve this problem and this is like the big challenge like the ma is this representation of her guilt and her forgiveness at the end is what kind of resolves the story the the thing that she needed to be forgiven for i don't think was really her fault like it felt kind of hollow at the end and i feel like this was the same with the crew like nobody in this book did anything that bad and I feel like if it had been something where it was clearly her fault and there were some significantly negative consequences for it, like if she did cause the death of all those people at the beginning of this book, the forgiveness thing at the very end would have hit so hard because like it it's this like revelation that she has at the end. But I just, I feel like the thing that, the debt, the like sin that she needed to be forgiven was not really worth, wasn't really worth it. I didn't, they didn't sell me on that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's my big, that's my big qualm with this book. Uh, I enjoyed it, but I wasn't buying the the forgiveness side of things. Fair. Um, Okay, let's see. It it hurts me to say this a little bit, um, but I was, I was a little bit, disappointed overall Mm. like i i think that there is like you said a lot of very cool things like a lot of very interesting ways to bring in like you said travel and a lot of like cool details about i don't know the the this sci-fi like universe situation i the only thing is though that i I thought that the story took some like turns that were un that were unnecessary and like just made it really long. Like they went they traveled so many times like across the universe for not that consequential in the long run of like things. And it was like I felt like half of the book we were spending with everyone in cryo and us traveling. It's like, that's a little bit too much for us to just like keep going back and forth. And, and there were a a few things like, like we mentioned, like the staff of blue just didn't end up being a thing. Um, And I, I don't know. I felt like I forget who, who, which author I saw said this, but in general, I feel like authors try to make every scene have, like, an important purpose, whether it be, like, plot-wise or character-wise. And I'm sure that that was, like, every scene did have a purpose in a way, but I felt like a lot of it was unnecessary, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I I... I never quite got sucked into the story because it kept like going back and forth between different things. And we spent, I think too much time like between different quests almost. Mm -hmm. Um, But in general, I mean, I still, I really liked the concept of the soft blade. Um, I, I thought that a few things I could have used more understanding of how it happened like how she took over the maw at Mm. the end um 
was pretty miraculous that I, I didn't quite get a good sense of what exactly happened. Um, which I mean, I think was probably like purposeful, but I would have liked to be able to like understand that a little bit more. Um, this, this is running long, but I don't know. I, I think I still enjoyed the book. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I felt like that there were some things that I wish had been done differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I agree with your point about, about the staff of blue. I think this is, it's very rare for the main quest at the beginning of the book to be completed and it not have any consequence on anything really. And it, I, I don't, it's hard to tell if it was like setting up kind of a sequel because you had that. So they went to get the staff of blue and then they woke that creature on the planet and it went off and it never showed up again. And so it felt to me like that might be like the villain or some antagonist in a sequel book that they had to go wake up. Uh, But it was very strange to have them find the staff of blue. And then that was just like, Oh, Nope, that wasn't it. (laughs) Right. I don't think that's necessarily bad, but it felt like we wasted a lot of time in cryo to get there. And then wasted a lot of cryo time in cryo to get away from there. Right. And then we like went back and then escaped from something and then like went back into cryo to go back. Yeah. There's a lot of cryo in this book. You're right. And that was something I noticed as well. But, but yeah, uh, I think we both enjoyed it, but I don't think it was like an outstanding, an outstanding read. I don't think it was, it was necessarily Mm -hmm. worth the number of pages that we had in this book. Um, Right. But, you know, this is, this is Chris's like first foray into science fiction. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. (laughs) We, We will see. We will see. Luke, next up, we're going to be reading Furies of Calderon from the Codex Alera series by Jim Butcher. Yeah, this was recommended by Loner Actual, a user from our from our subreddit. Uh, thanks for thanks for getting involved on in the subreddit and sending us some suggestions. We will be reading the first third of yeah furies of calderon for next week mm-hmm. so get excited for that uh this episode will come out on thursday november 5th i believe so hopefully hopefully if you're in the u.s you voted <laughs> hopefully if you're in the u.s you know things are things are chilling would be really cool be nice that that would be really cool. Uh, I I am I like to see us bringing that up when it's too late. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like to hope that people voted rather than tell people to vote. You know, smart, smart. <laughs> but uh, you know, regardless of what happens, whether or not you voted, Luke and I will be back next week, definitely with some hot takes. Still acting like dumb nerds. <laughs>